Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host Mark Kaler and today we have the deck boss of the fishing vessel Columbia, Gaspar Rierig with us today. Gaspar, how are you? I'm doing fine Mark, how are you doing? Excellent, excellent. Uh, so let's just dive right into it. Uh, where were you born? I was born in Villa Rica in Paraguay in South America. Paraguay is uh, located uh, between Brazil, Argentina and Bolivia. It's a uh, Denlock country with no ocean. No ocean? No. So how'd you get to the ocean? Oh well, I was in the service. Uh, I was a... Uh, the v Paraguay service? Paraguayan Army. In the Calvary, I was a uh, V-First Sergeant Instructor of uh, Motor Stoker Brown. Of After, what? I'm sorry. Motor Stoker Brown, uh, 81 millimeter. And after seven years, I, I wasn't making enough money. I just got married. So I decided to come to the state and work for one year or two years, make enough money, and go back home. What was the money? So you say not enough money. What was the money you were making at home? Oh well. Versus what you were coming to make. Oh well. Uh, at the time, in that time, I was making thirty-five thousand guaranees, which is uh, approximately, um, I, I believe, so is close to. Uh, maybe three, four hundred dollars uh, a month. Three, four. Okay, and then you came over here because you were gonna make how much over here? Well, I, I understood that uh, I can make uh, twenty thousand dollars in a season. That's what I've been told, and I came. And uh, so I got to Portland, Oregon, and uh, after that, uh, I came and searched for a boat in Seattle, and I found a company, Golden Age Fishery. And I was hired there like a processor in 1985. So I started with a boat uh, called uh, Royal Prince. So I was a processor there. Then I went up to a lead man. Well, wait, honest, how much did you make on the Royal Prince? Oh, well, the first season uh, I make, I believe so, was around 22,000 in five months. So that's great. That's way better than home. Oh, that was way, I never saw so much money in one time in my pocket. Yeah. It yeah. was excellent. So I stayed five or six months straight in the boat that time. And uh, after a while, I went up to uh, be a lead man. Year went by, I was assistant foreman. So Golden Age Fishery have the Royal Prince, Browns Point, Rebecca Irene, Golden Fleece, Barbara Lee, and Linda Rose. So they, in the time they needed an assistant foreman, for uh, Rebecca Aiden, and they asked me to move there, and I moved with the other boat, and there I started making more money, and it was great. Two years later, they got the Linda Rose, they bought it, and they need a factory foreman, which uh, they offered me that boat to be the factory foreman there, and I took it, and that was great. You know, in that time, in late 80s, starting 90s, no, late 80, I was making guaranteed $300 a day plus my cruiser. And, th and that was $300 a day versus a day. $300 a month. Yes. Home. I was doing a day, but I'm making a month at home. So it was great. <laughs> and um, how, how was it going home with that big wad in your pocket? Was oh, that... well, I feel like I was, uh, I don't know, the king. And uh, I could I. I afford to go out and take my wife to a restaurant and everything. It was great. And uh, 
So I decide to stay one more year. So it's going to be two years fishing. Mm -hmm. And go back home and continue our life down there. But, you know, it's been already 33 years. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and always people ask me, when are you going to retire? And my answer is since 1987, next year. Uh -huh. But now I believe so that it's in my blood already and it's very hard to live. At the time when I'm at home, month and a half, two months, I dream to be back in the boat. Yeah. I have to be back in the boat. I don't know why, but I have to be back. And for me, it's a thrill. It's a pleasure being in the boat. Well, now, so you were on the processes for a while. Yes. How'd that transition go? Where did you get off the boat, the processor, and start? In 1990, 91, it was 1991 in February. I remember good because it was my birthday, February 2nd. I moved to the fishing vessel Caravel in Kodiak. Now, what was she? It was a, a catcher boat. How big? It was uh, almost 89 footers. Small boat comparing from the boats I used to be on it. Same company or? No, it was a private company. The owner was uh, from uh, the Westman's family from Blaine, Washington. And uh, I did that uh, first three months. How did you get the job though? Uh, you know, fishing, you know, you talk with other fishermen, and that's how I find out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to the skipper at the time, which was uh, Brian Beaver. And right away, he said to me, come with me. And um, I went. <laughs> and uh, I did that season, I believe, so I did almost $40,000. That was something else. little taste of the... Oh, yeah. little little hit of the magic. And now... I got a little bit more greedy, so I stay fishing like uh, approximately 10 months, 11 months a year. I barely go home a month a year. That's hard on your wife. On everybody. On everybody. For my kids and everything. But well, you only got one month to make kids. Yes, but I still have a few. <laughs> <laughs> I still have seven kids. <laughs> and uh, later, uh, time went by, I... Start fishing with the Peggy Joe. We moved to the Peggy Joe, a little bit bigger boat. Who was skipper in the Peggy Joe? Yeah, uh, in the time Brian Beaver moved to the uh, Peggy Joe, and we went together to that boat, and I was his mate. And uh, we did very good. We was averaging in the time, maybe eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a year, which was a lot of money. So. I stayed there. Finally, I when Trident got to Kodiak, I found out about the fleet of Trident. And I got to talk with a, one of the uh, vessel manager, and he offered me to come in with the Exodo Explorer. Which one? Exodo Explorer. Exodo? Yeah. So we did five trips in it. We did not make no money in it. But I say, oh, well, this must, it, it will change. So in that time, uh, I met uh, Jack Molan, and he talked to me. We talked in, in Dutch Harbor, and he offered me to come in in Columbia. That's Jack Molan, uh, episode one on this series, uh, captain of the Columbia. Yes. Yep. So I moved with him. I came to the Columbia, and that is uh, 11 years ago. Okay. 
enough steel there. Uh, right now I'm uh, the deck boss. Once in a while I'm a relief skipper, and uh, when they need it, you know, and when they need it, I, I'm the mate. I'm the mate. So, but I just I've been offered to be the relief skipper. I do not want it. I just like the to be the deck boss because uh, I like the action. I like to be on deck. I like the, uh, the waves. I like the net. I like all those things from the deck. And I enjoy what I do. Yeah. And I'm good with it too. Well, you're always smiling. Oh, you have to. You have to smile. You're, you're always smiling. And I really like it. And uh, I enjoy what I do on the deck. So and I, I keep everybody smiling. I, I like to do a lot of jokes. And, and that's what I do. So now you're after 30, how many years? 31? Uh, almost 33. 33 years now. 33 years. Do you remember the first time you were scared? Oh, well, the first couple trips, I didn't know what to expect, you know. And it was kind of bit uncomfortable for me, you know, the big waves and all that, but uh, it wasn't that bad. One day, the first time I got a, a little bit scared is uh, we left uh, Blaine, Washington with a caravel. Uh, we came in close to the Pato Island before we got into Canadian water and I was in bed sleeping the skipper was sleeping and another crew was a uh, wheel watching and he came and he woke me up he said to me sir we have a lot of smoke in the engine room and uh, first I thought I said well we rebuilt the whole engine so it's burning oil or whatever you know it's just that but I get up and I went and when I walk in in that engine room I see flame Oh, and uh, so I came. I woke up the skipper. I say, "Hey, we have a situation," and I went down there with the with our uh, fire extinguisher. In those times, we never had nothing, nothing else than fire extinguisher. No uh, fire equipment, nothing. So I used seven of them that we had it, and the fire kept growing. And next thing I realized that our side glass was open and it's shooting fuel in the fire. So I have to get to the side glasses. I got to it, shut it off that, and by that time I see the flame already going to the ceiling and it coming down again. So it was kind of bit scary. And nothing we can do no more. So we tried to close all the vents, everything, the doors, everything, and went out on deck and wait to see what happened. And we burned almost the whole engine room was burned. And uh, and the time came in, the fishing vessel Rosella came in uh, close to us just in case something worse, you know. And uh, after that, we got scored all the way back to Blaine. We spent there a month to rewire the whole boat. And I think so that time uh, I got scared a little bit. I didn't know what to expect, you know, if one of the tanks is going to explode or... I didn't know. That scared a little bit? Have you ever been yeah. scared a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I always because that, that that already scares me. <laughs> oh yeah, fire on a boat is no joke. I get scared more when I see my mother-in-law coming in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it had been a, a few uh, close call. You know, I had a close call with um, Peggy Joe that uh, we was doing a hold back and um, we almost rolled the boat. And uh, another time we have on the caravel where I'll whole deck was going underwater it's not coming back up which i went over the cut in and cut the cut in so release all the fish so we can flo uh, float again 
So was it, it just too big of a load? It was a big load, and uh, we have fish uh, on the deck, and we have a big current trying to dump it. And uh, so I think so was a little bit involved, uh, greedy in that, and uh, that's what uh, it caused all those problems. Uh, in the old time, you know, it wasn't too many regulations, so a lot of things like that, it happened. But... So starting to fish from 85 to now, you've seen a lot of things change. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This last 11 years since I've been in Trident is what I see. The, since I moved in, in this company, it's a, it's a company who really, really push safety. They do, yeah. And uh, I never used before a hard hat. I never used before a life jacket, which is mandatory in this boat. Um, big boat, and they only allowed you to bring like a 30 ton on deck, which little boats, we used to bring 50 to 70 ton. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of different. I, was, I think a lot of those other boats, though, have changed too now. I think I think everybody's going it's, more towards it's safety, a, you know. You know, I see in those little boats right now, they are pushing the... Too, you know well you, you don't, you don't the, want to lose guys it, yeah it, it costs more to lose someone than it oh does yeah oh yeah and uh that's what i always say you know always when it's an accident like that of a guy overboard and things like that or boat going down 90 percent is a human error it's not just like a people who think so it's an accident no no it's not an accident it's a human error and uh i remember when the big valley went down i remember that yeah um uh, all my friends was there. I knew the skipper. All my friends. I, at the time, I live in the, uh, Kodiak Island. Yeah, my friend Luna, uh, Sheiko from Uruguay. Uh, only one survivor. And the uh, guy who was we all watching was uh, Sheiko from Uruguay. And I was talking to him in the radio. I was leaving False Pass. And he was telling me he was uh, by himself. Uh, we all watching for the first time. In that boat, uh, I remember that they built a little shed on top of the wheelhouse for a camera crew. And they did, the camera crew did not show up because weather. So what they did is they put all their bait there on top of the wheelhouse, which is a couple thousand pounds, which it took the all the stability. And um, plus they have a extra... Um, they were filming the deadliest catch then. Yes, yeah. they were supposed to. Yeah, that boat, was it on there? Oh, I don't remember. It, they were supposed to be doing that time, and they didn't. And I think so they went out, uh, Those that crew went out with another boat, which was a Lucky Lady, smaller again, mm-hmm. which it was owned by the owner uh, of the Marcy J, uh, Marcy and Harold Jones. Yep. And uh, they did a film with that boat. But uh, so... As they went out, they have too many pots on it, and we believe that uh, what happened is they had a slack tank, and the guy who was no experience didn't realize that uh, it was a slack tank. You know, you can feel it, but if you're new, you don't know what you're feeling, and maybe a wave just got him from the side and rolled him like, never was a mayday call, nothing. Nothing. The only one who survived was the guy from Kodiak, uh, Cass. Cass, uh, he was in bed, he was sleeping, and he said when he woke woke up, he was side, the boat was already sideways. No light, no nothing. He came out, and uh, he the only thing he knew is, or he heard is the screaming of the everybody. And as he popped out from the water, 
the boat started going down and he just float he float right on the where it was the um, life raft so he got a hold of the life raft he say in a couple minutes later everything was silence everybody was dead the boat was already gone yeah. the boat gone and the people dead they found two floating people and my friend uh, Carlito Sheiko, uh, he couldn't close his uh, survival suit all the way. So the water went in and it killed him. So, yeah, that was a very sad situation. And after that, we have a few more, you know, that they happened like that too. We have the last year, or this January, I think so was one crabber too went down like that. Um, last January. Last January, yeah. Last January was that. Yeah, destination. Destination. Yeah. yeah, they didn't pass their. Uh, they didn't do their stability test. They have too many pods over. They put a bowl. Um, they have that. Uh, they call. Um, they did a couple stuff on the boat, and uh, they did. They failed to have the uh, stability test. So they were steaming toward the island, and as they turned. That was on Saint George. St. George but Island. They, they had to have a stability test. No boat, uh, no boat <clears throat> leaves without a stability test. I was reading about that. In matter of fact, uh, two days ago, I was reading a magazine on it. They say that they did not have it. They left without. Huh. It was uh, it sort of really surprised me too. Yeah, surprised I've me. never heard of a boat, yeah. at least in recent times. Yeah, it's in the magazine. I saw in one of the magazines uh, in uh, LFS. I went, uh, got my boots and I was reading there. So, a strange situation. You have, know, you, have you ever been on a boat with Mayday Call? Oh, well, the time when uh, we had a fire, and uh, I bet the assisting boat who was in Mayday in a several location. Okay. And uh, which was not a very good uh, situation, you know. It's, uh, it's worse when you're trying to assist because you see the people, and you don't know if you're going to get them or not. It's. Your heart start pumping, yeah, fast. So situation like that is something I, I don't, I never like it too much. Well, you would. It's a situation that you know you don't want to be in it. No, but the Mariners' code is you gotta go. Right? You have to go. You have to go well because you don't know tomorrow could be you. You know. Yeah. So that's one thing we don't. Uh, no matter what we are doing, we stop what we're doing and we just steam straight there. And, um, Even if it's a lost cause, you go. You have to go. You have to go. You never know. You know, maybe it's a lost cause, but maybe you can find a survivor. It's well, still I alive. Mean, well, some people say, "Well, you're a hundred miles away, right?" Yeah. Uh, why would you go? Well, you have to go. You have to go. Oh well, how can you sleep with your conscience later? You know, maybe you could have saved somebody, and you didn't, and now everybody's dead, and you say, "Oh, you're always going to ask yourself, what will happen if I went?" Right. Maybe I could have helped them. I think at the very least, you want to recover. Yes. You know, uh, having someone lost at sea is one thing, but to recover them is... It's, yeah. We did, uh, we was, it was one of the glacier boats when they caught on fire a few years ago. Yeah, I think so, it was like a 90 people aboard. We was uh, 30 miles away, and uh, we was fishing. We pulled our gear up and steam. We went back there and... Uh, we gave them all our pumps, our firefighting equipment, and at least we assisted that way with firefighting equipment. And uh, everybody was uh, rescued. And those are a very good uh, feeling after that. Well, you guys carry, I mean, 
Your boat is how big is the Columbia? It's uh, over 100, 123. 123. Uh, Marco. 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 Yes. Very well built boat. It's one of the best uh, Marco you want to see on sea right now. Well, Doug Dixon can testify to that, but so yes. how much safety equipment's on that boat? You got an emergency pump, you got... We have everything, everything you can name it, we have. And not only that, it's always the top line. And every single crew, are uh, they go to uh, firefighting training, uh, medical training. We have all the training we need, or we want it. And even if we think we are not going to need it, if we request, they give us. So training and uh, all those stuff, you know, it was a uh, trident. It's very, very nice that way that uh, they give you us the opportunity to have the best of the best on sea. And uh, that's what I really, really like this company and uh, this boat. It's uh, unbelievable the amount of uh, safety deal that we go through. And we have uh, drills every month. And... Uh, and that is the whole, the key is, is safe is the key. Safety is the key. If you don't uh, push your safety deal, you're not going to make it. I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think there's a cost you can put on safety. No, it's no money in the world because you can buy equipment, but you cannot buy life. As a, as a buyer, because that's what I do is I, I support your vessel, right? I yes, buy sir. for your boat. Um, that's one of the areas where there's no, oh, we can't spend that much. We can't. It's non-negotiable yep. for safety. Oh well, just an example, you know. Uh, we all uh, have our hard hat. Everybody like it. We request a different uh, hard hat, which is uh, very spendy. I request, and in less than a week, we got it. I request a shield. I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I request a shield for the face, for safety. The only just in case something break and uh, to cover our eyes and things like that. I got it. Well, no question about it. Uh, those are the things, you know, that uh, make us very happy and make us feel more safe, you know. Because we're not going to ask for something we don't think so is. Do you guys have the uh, individual uh, EPIRBs now? Each, each one we have. So explain that to us. What happens if you go overboard? Well, you have the light, the struck light, and you automatically, it's going to be alarm in the wheelhouse and it mark the position where you are. So the moment you go in the water. As you hit the water. So the skipper will turn around the boat and just straight go to where you are. It's not they, uh, they have to look around for you. It's going to show you and show up on its map and plotter. Yes, and the plotter where you are. As you're drifting, it shows how fast you're drifting and which way you are going. So that that's saying how much our industry has changed. Those safety measures and yes, it's in uh, what it used to be in the late '80s and '90s. Holy cow! Yeah, cowboy. Uh, before was like a smoke signal, signal, you know. <laughs> well, that might be why we lost so many. Yeah. You know. In in the good thing too, you know, it's like with Strident, we have that policy of uh, zero uh, drug and alcohol. In those things, I think so. It's really, really uh, helped the safety deal. I'm gonna point out that he's having a beer while he's talking to me right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're we're sitting on the back of the gale, uh, having a beer. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and he, so the zero policy doesn't apply here, but it does on the boats, of course. Yeah. And, and I think most fleets are that way now. You know, most fleets are not. Yeah, I think so. At least uh, 80%. Always is uh, 
you know, like I say, it's always someplace uh, a black sheep. Oh, yeah. So, those are the ones you gotta go pick up though in the middle of the night. X, there you said. So, uh, 33 years fishing. Uh, how about some good times? You've had some good times. Oh, right? well, I have a good time since I wake up until I go to bed. Every day I have something. I'm, uh, I'm the guy who likes to make everybody laugh. Even if I'm very sad, I make jokes. And I don't care who, you know. Uh, even I pick on the Coast Guard once in a while. And uh, I remember that case, I'm going to bring it up, this one. I hope the Coast Guard doesn't go after me later, you know, but... <laughs> well, how long has it been before you tell the story? <laughs> <laughs> it was in the 90s, late 90s. Uh, I was crossing, uh, I would just cross the uh, false pass. In the time, we did not have an AIS, so they called the position. So I came back, I say, oh, well, I say... This is the, I'm not going to say the name of the boat, but I'm going to say, uh, this is the uh, boat uh, back to Kohler. And they came back and they say, this is the U.S. Coast Guard, and this is this and that, and we, we have a few questions for you. So I told him, uh, well, be my guest. And he said, sir, he said, how many men aboard? And I told him, I said, just me and four American. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so they bore me right away. So, <laughs> how many men aboard? Just me and four Americans. Yes. And uh, after that, they bore me right away, and they came into the wheelhouse, and they said to me, "Sir, are you the master?" I say, "No, I'm Gasper." And uh, he asked me again. He says, "Sir, are you the master in this vessel?" I said, "Sir, I say I'm the I'm Gasper in this vessel. I'm Gasper in my house. Wherever I go, I'm Gasper." So he looked at me and he said to me, "Can I see your green card?" And I told him, I don't have a green card. And he asked me, he said, do you know that to work in this country you need a green card? I said, no. And he said to me, sir, if you don't have a green card, you cannot work in this country. And I told him, shit me not. I say, I have a great blazer and a red pickup truck. I say, why in the hell do I need a green card too? <laughs> so he asked me, you have any ID? I said, sure. So I passed my passport. And uh, he looked at it, and uh, my passport is a U.S. passport. So to be a, to get your license, keep your license, you have to be a U.S. citizen. And uh, so I um, oh, and I, I told him, I said, well, you did not ask me. If I was a U.S. citizen. Yeah, he never asked me. I thought he wanted me to buy a green car. <laughs> I thought he was a car seller or something, you know. <laughs> So when I figured out what was going on, I asked him, I say, sir, I say, I'm very ignorant about my Eper. How do I know if he's good or not? So now he have to go up and check your it. Your Eper. Yeah. yeah. So he went up and checked, and he came down and said, well, sir, your Eper is fine. It's only three months old, and it's good for uh, another two years or whatever he said. I know. I just put it on, you know. I just <laughs> fucking with him now, you know. <laughs> And, uh, oh, well, this guy was ready to shoot me. I, the way he walked, he looked like a Billy the Kid, you know, he he should hate me. And uh, another time, uh, they bored me again. And so as they bored me, it was a whole bunch. And I, I noticed when I see all the seasick, seasick patch on their ears, I know they're brown new uh, kids, first timers. And um, so I asked him if I can take some picture with them. And they asked, they told me, I say, yeah. So we start taking pictures. And after that, I said to one of the kids, I said, I want to be in the picture with you guys too. And I went there and I took the picture and okay. 
later I uh, I took my hard hat full of scale and I told the guy one of the fellow young fellow I said oh, you know what you are a good friend so this is my present for you in a dirty hard hat you know and he just grabbed it he be polite he grabbed it and grabbed it. thank you sir he said and I said to him, well the customer in my country now I give you my hard hat now you have to give me your hard hat that is my custom and he said to me sir I cannot give you it's part of my uniform I said to him, you don't like me no no I like you I like you no, you don't like me because I'm fat, right? And the kid didn't know what to do, you know, because he don't, he cannot give me his hard hat. <laughs> right. And I'm serious, you know, telling him things like that. And things like that, you know, I enjoy doing it. Wait, I, I want to hear about the photo session. Oh! <laughs> for, for your... You have a magazine back in uh, Paraguay. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, you said you had a magazine. I don't have nothing, you know. I just <laughs> said I had it. Well, uh, we was in Bristol, Bay. Bristol Bay tendering, right? Tendering, salmon. And uh, I saw this young fellow just jump in the boat, and I saw he have a lot of tattoo on his arm. A lot of tattoos. So I asked him, I said, do you have all over your body tattoo? And yeah, he said to me, oh, my God. I said, you are the excellent. You qualify for my magazine. And he just looked at me, what magazine? is it? I have a magazine. I say, would you mind to post uh, for me? So I brought him in the wheel house, and I have this old camera that doesn't even work no more. So I start shooting picture of him, different position. Finally, but I ask the, him. The camera doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> it was an old one. And I told him, I said, well, now take your shirt off. I need to see all those tattoos. And he took, and I said, can you flex a little bit? He flex and in different position and all this and that. And that. And as we were taking picture, he asked me the name of my, my uh, magazine. And I told him, oh, well, it's the magazine El Pendejo. So El Pendejo, which, which means <laughs> I don't want to say in English, but <laughs> well, <laughs> that sounds good. So El Pendejo, and oh well, he keep, he got a couple more uh, shots, and I told him it's a gay magazine, but uh, you know you're gonna make the cover, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you should see his face, how it deflated that guy, poor guy, you know, just. Oh, and there was no film in the camera. It was no film. No, <laughs> I didn't have it. Same thing when I came in, and I. This boat, uh, our boat here, uh, the one who was the show um, for uh, crabbing, Trident boat. It was uh, they was doing. Uh, I think so. They was in that. Yeah, it was in Dutch Harbor. We came in and pick it up, Willie Manchester. Oh yeah. Willie's been on here before. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's recorded. Yep. Oh, so I have to pick him up. We went in, tied with him, and uh, pick him up, and it was. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Tyson, his last name, and the other fellow, I don't remember his name, so they was there. So I have my same camera again, which doesn't work. So I told him, I say, sir, I say, you know, would you mind if I uh, start taking a couple pictures for you, from you? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. I say, what a thrill, what a thrill. I say, you make my day. So it was a uh, crap pot on deck. I told him, I say, Man, I say, can you push that pad, you know? Is this Willie or? No, no, it was uh, Tyson and the other fellow. Uh, he he got fired, you know, after that. <laughs> uh, not because of my case, you know, but a different case. And uh, so he started pushing that pad, and I told him, well, well, can you push uh, uphill too? And that guy just I can hear, uh, you know, him pushing and pushing, and I'm filming him and filming him and everything like that. And 
Tyson was still in bed. <clears throat> so I asked him, I said, how many more guys in, uh, in the boat? I said, just Tyson. I said, can you call him? I said, I need you guys sign me your, I need your autograph, you know. And um, I say, that would be the b best thing ever happened to me in my life, if you guys can give me that. And they sign, they wake up the other guy, the other guy come and sign and everything like that. And as I cross the boat, I drop it on purpose in the water. Oh my God, I lost it all, you know, I lost it all. <laughs> Things like that, you know. I just love you're, to do it. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, sure. I'm sure Willie's gonna. If Willie's not gonna hear this, I know his mother is. Oh, she listens to every episode. Oh, good, good. Uh, Willie didn't push it. He was. Uh, we just uh, got him to to go fishing. Again, you're filming, but you're not filming. You have no. No, I don't have that. That, that uh, like I said, you know, it doesn't work. It didn't work. You guys remember this in the future. If Gaspar ever tries to film you, he has no camera. <laughs> he has no film in the camera. Oh, well, for uh, Willie's mom, this one is a special too. Uh, I remember Willie when he came the first time in Colombia. I had him, uh, you should ask him that. I have him uh, for three days reading uh, all the safety deal the book survival everything and i told him in three days i'm going to take him a test and if he doesn't pass he's going back home and willie just start reading and reading and <laughs> reading the three days he was ready i took him to the wheelhouse and i asked him uh, i said willie are you ready so i took this big long midwater needle it's long like three foot almost now the needles where you use to repair nets yes so it let's put it in context it's almost like a little sword without a handle on it exactly it's a pointy yes three foot long yes all right and um so i have that in my hand so i told him okay oh, well kneel i say one knee in the ground and another one up you know put your two hands on top of your left leg left leg i say put your head down so i grab the needle and i kind of hit him in the head slowly I say, by the power invested on me by Trident Seafood, I name you today Half Deck Hen. I said, race, kid. And he raced. Turn around a little bit. He turned around and I whack him the hardest I could, one, you know. <laughs> I say, you are a deck hen now. Is and that, he was happy and shit. This, this happened? Yeah, that was very, and he was so happy. And uh, everybody would try to keep serious this, you know. And uh, later, Willie find out because he went and told somebody that he got knighted already. And he used to have a green. I, I gave him when he came in a green helmet because he's a green horn. I switched his green helmet to a white one because he is a, a decade now. When he find out that, he came and asked me, Caspar, do not show this film to nobody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Willie, you found out, brother. You found out. Wow, that's a good story. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of those, you know, just... So, uh, obviously, fishing's been really good to you. I mean, you, back when you were a kid, you are making 300 bucks a month. Yes. Right? And uh, would you change anything? Oh, well, no. Uh, at this time of my age, uh, yeah, I starting to... Um, I'm going to open a company, a tea, Jerva Mate yeah, company. Give yourself a plug. Go ahead. Say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a tea that in South America we all uh, use it. Yerba mate, uh, Argentina, uh, Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, Brazil, and uh, Chile. Everybody use that tea, and uh, so I'm doing that. 
trying to open a new company. That's your retirement plan. Yes, it's gonna go. The name is gonna be Jerva Mate La Misionera. And uh, I have three uh, ranch back home now, and I, I have uh, one of the ranch is uh, all eucalyptus. I have uh, eleven uh, alligators. I have maybe fourteen uh, giant uh, turtles, ostriches. A chicken, pork, uh, sheep, goat. I see every time you go home. Cattles. There's a big party. Like a, yes. Like a massive party. Yes. When I get home, the first thing I do is I kill a uh, young bull, and all my neighbors come in and barbecue. I do uh, before I leave and before I. And when I come home. when I come home, and, uh, and the thing is, because um, on Facebook it looks like your whole life's a party. Yes, it, it does. Yeah, we do a lot of party. <laughs> I do a lot of for the people because uh, there are people who doesn't have the opportunity of uh, sitting and making, having a good barbecue with uh, friends, you know, because uh, a money situation. And for me, thanks God, you know, I make enough and more than enough. Sometimes, I, like I say, I make more than what I need. So I built a firefighter uh, apartment in my hometown. And I work with you school. Built it. Yes, I bought a equipment from Portland, Oregon, for the fire department from Portland. It cost me for seven thousand dollar. They gave me a whole bunch of equipment use. It cost me close to seven thousand dollar a container to send from here to Paraguay. They went through to Panama Canal to Brazil, Brazil to Argentina, and from Argentina they put in another boat to bring to Paraguay through the river. And it took me a month and a half to get there. And now we have a very beautiful uh, firefighter uh, department. I work with the schools a lot, you know. Uh, third world country schools, you know, doesn't have computers and things like that. So every trip I go home, I usually take three or four uh, laptops. And I donate to schools. Uh, things that I never had it. Uh, I really enjoy seeing those two uh, the kids how how good they get with the computer now back home you know so, and so not only is fishing good to you but it's paying off in your community at home absolutely uh oh well i always say the way i think is uh god gave me this opportunity it could have gave to somebody else you know but it gave it to me and the way to pay him back is take care of the others who people who can they don't have the, the same opportunity that i had so but that don't, is they, why I do. don't they have the same opportunity it's very hard down there. It's very hard. It's, um, you know, it's like for me too, you know, it was not easy, you know, over 30 years being away from my family, far away from my country. Uh, we miss it, you know. I miss it a lot, the country. I miss a lot of people. I miss my family. And those are the things. It's like, uh, right now, good ex good example right now that uh, everybody's at home. I'm in the boat, you know. I still cannot go home until I finish the things I have to finish it. And we've been here since last Sunday, and I don't know. I still don't know when I'm gonna be leaving. Well, you say here since last Sunday, but you were out at sea for almost five months. Yeah, five months before that. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like you're just trying to run off. You no, 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 no. And uh, I just want to stay here and make sure that all my net is in uh, good uh, condition for January. And uh, and after that, I go home. And. Uh, if I had my family here, yeah, I, I should be home right now, but uh, but you got a shipyard, so I have to stay in the shipyard. Yeah, yep. It's yep. uh, 
I had opportunity, a chance if I wanted to go, but uh, you know, it's my job to make sure that my net is in top condition for January. And I want to make sure that it is in good that shape. Makes, that makes the money. That is my money. So you're going to retire next year? Oh, well, that's what Same I've been saying. Since 87. Since 1987, I've been saying that. Next year. Everybody asks me, say, when are you retiring? Next year. One more year. Are, are, uh, I'm sure that some of the young kids in Paraguay are asking you, how can I get out there? How can I? Yes. Oh, can they? Every I mean, day a, I hear the same thing. Is uh, there an opportunity for them? I mean, oh, well. How do they go about it? It's very hard for getting visa because Paraguay, I think so, they have only 260 visa a year. And those are being used by a politician, you know, politician people with their kids and all these, and they or they sell it, you know. Like I remember in the 80s, when the we had a very big immigration of Japanese and Korean in South America, what they was doing it is they were selling it, the 250 or 60 visa, to them so they come in, they get to Paraguayan citizenship, and they use that visa to come to the United States, and they pay a lot of money for it. And uh, so it's very hard, especially to get a visa, working visa, it's very hard. You think that'd be easier? No. Uh, first, to make it easier, you have to be a professional, number one. Second, you have to have access that is going to make you go back home, like a nice house and things like that, you know. And most of the young fellows, they don't have it. Yeah. It's hard for them, you know, especially if they're in college. They already owe a lot of money that in there. It's hard for them to get. So most of them, they go to Argentina. Now Argentina is so bad that their money is not even worth it for, not even, all the Argentina people are coming in Paraguay now to work because our money is uh, more solid more solid than them, yeah, more, better than Brazil, better than the Argentina. So, yeah, it's not very easy to get a working visa. And if you're going to come illegally here from Paraguay, you have to be crazy. Well, we don't we don't support illegal immigration. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, we're about out of time here, but uh, uh, anything you need to say or want to say? Oh well, I'm just very thankful for all the opportunity I had it here. For, you know, and thank you for letting me be in your show. And uh, thanks, uh, try then for all the good time i'm having on sea thanks to them you know <laughs> and sending me in all those young thanks kids for the three farms <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the three farms and uh seven kids i think you did the seven kid part <laughs> oh well uh, it wasn't me it's you know how the women are they, they always seduce me <laughs> <laughs> wait is it is it more than one wife with seven kids oh yeah it was my wife i only have two <laughs> was my wife too and after that was all they seduced me because my english wasn't very good what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling God. you, women are the devil. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> my oh wife my is Lord. gorgeous. Oh, my Lord. I know I have some pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, we're going to encourage you before we leave to eat wild Alaska seafood. Absolutely. And uh, especially try then the way we... Uh, no, it's not a trident show. It's a... Eat wild well, Alaska seafood, but you're right. You're right. I'm sorry, but where I am working on it, you know how we take care of our uh, our uh, fish. You know we have a uh, forty something over forty hours from first fish we catch, our fish is being processed in town, and uh, 
the quality is just unbelievable. Yeah. It's beautiful, clean. It's, uh, I eat a lot. I'm taking right now, and I'm taking from, I'm bringing from Alaska and taking to Paraguay, you know. It cost me $200 each box to send to South America. And I'm taking two boxes because I know the quality and I know how good they are. And uh, not like you, sometimes you go to the store and you don't know if it's a farm uh, salmon or whatever, you know. You know how old they are. And uh, the one we have it, I know what kind it is. So You know where it was caught, how it was treated. Exactly. And, and you're right. Try to, uh, not to knock any of the company because it's, Every, I'm sure yes, everybody everybody's has trying, really, everybody's trying their best. I'm sure everybody has high standards, but Trident is especially yes. source to plate, uh, track it all. They know where it Absolutely. was caught, how it was treated, what the temperature was. We have a, a little thing in our uh, tank which record Every the, temperature. Yep. the time the fish went down, and if the water went a little bit hot or whatever, you know, they have the whole thing. And the Japanese are picky very very picky and uh so yeah we keep our our fish uh in top top of the nut well we just want to encourage everyone to eat wild caught fish uh whether that be alaska wild caught fish or if it's uh, another species somewhere else make sure it's wild not farmed no no farm is very bad it's, yeah. if you just know it what they feed and how they grow and all that and just the google it there. you'll find out it's yes. nasty as hell tilapia Abs never eat tilapia tilapia is my favorite <laughs> i wonder how my favorite to feed my mother-in-law and my father-in-law you know <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this has been another installment of Galley Stories, Stories to Bering Sea and Beyond. Follow us on Facebook. Um, we're almost giving up on Twitter at this point, but uh, anything else you want to end with, Gasper? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity here to talk to your beautiful people uh, that's listening to you. I know you have more than 80,000 people listening, and uh, encourage them to start eating more fish, you know. Uh, well, everybody's very eating important. fish, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> We have to. All right, guys. We will uh, see you next time.